0: Hello, welcome to episode 166 of Riot Act, the alternative music podcast, with me, your host, Stephen Hill, joined as ever by the squash-supping man, Renfrey Deadman. That looked like a big old gulf of something sweet and sugary, Renfrey. Ve- was, which is... It's very sweet. You?
1: It's very sweet and very sugary. It's uh, mirinda which is just the best, the the most chemically enhanced soft drink known to man, I think. The colour of this... I mean, it's the most sort of neon orange in the world, isn't it? Um, I actually yeah. came out, I live above a 24-hour supermarket at the moment and actually came out of the All shop. All right, don't,
0: don't <laughs> <it that> everyone <laughs> know about your I know. highfalutin lifestyle, what can I but say? yes. Uh,
1: and I, I um, uh, bought my bottle of mirinda as I do um, every every other day, um and uh uh yeah a guy coming out of the shop was like that's the best drink in the world and we're best friends now it's the best drink was it Moby <laughs> it wasn't Moby it wasn't Moby. oh if only it was Moby
0: yeah you'd have gone fuck off Moby I've never <laughs> heard of this drink Mirinda before have you made it it's a it's a it's a soft drink is it so i thought it was a squash
1: no it's i I've just
0: gone for a normal glass of water well, well, you're
1: healthier than i am um it's a, it's a fizzy drink it's fizzy pop
0: fuck I me mean, there are raccoons that are
1: healthier <laughs> than <they laughs>
0: go people's bins um. yeah.
1: yes there are i think that is, uh, is the fact yeah mm. Well, I've
0: not heard of this drink, but I'm excited to experience it when I um, it's very good. come up to London.
1: Oh yeah, you'd be more than welcome. It's you know, it's very, very nice.
0: And I don't need your permission to buy a drink. I <laughs> don't,
1: but I've given it anyway.
0: <laughs> good, okay. Um, well, thanks for tuning in, everyone. That's a little bit of soft drink-based banter that we like to have at the start of the show occasionally. On this week's show, we're going to be reviewing new music from Every Time I Die, from the darkness, from bad, bad, not good, and from slow crush. And we will also, as ever, be pointing you in the direction of our Patreon page, patreon.com forward slash Riot Act podcast, where you can go to help us out financially if you so wish. But hey, you get stuff for it as well. For any amount of money, if you sign up, you can listen to our Riot Ears reviews, where you get to decide, uh, well, no, decide, we we decide the record. You suggest a record, we decide to take on that suggestion we will try and get through all of them there are only sort of a, between sort of five and six hundred thousand uh, suggestions at the moment and um it's quite a lot but we've just done one on the manic street preachers this is my truth tell me yours from 1998 an album which 18 year old me was livid about remfree mm. fucking livid back in the day in the 90s oh my lordy i was angry yeah i'm less i'm less angry about it now i have mellowed out i'm a bit more placid
1: probably not worth getting that angry about really is it
0: it's not really worth getting that angry about no Mm. no not really but i did Mm. and you can listen to that you can listen to me reflect on what an angry teenager i used to be if you sign up for any amount of money i mean i think for a quid a month you'd like to listen to me go i used to be quite a grumpy teenager (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> seems well worth it i mean it's not just that as well we've got other rioters reviews on the likes of well also the mainstream preachers This the fifth manix album we've done yeah sick if you count you doing futurology <laughs> fucking.
1: T- let's face time it. you open your mouth we should include because the amount of detail i've gone into on that record yeah yeah uh
0: yeah uh we've done Nick Cape Bonavent Oasis type of negative cattle decapitation Natural One Killer soundtrack, Neutral Milk Hotel, Screaming Trees and Crooked Vultures, This Girl, 100 gecks, Tyler the Creator, the Exploited, Bjork, Mr Bungle, Covell Attack, Helmet, Placebo, London Grammar, Death from Above 1979, Potbelita, itself, Stone Roses, Miles Davis, Paul Simon, Bauhaus, Manson, Incubus, Alice in Chains, Quicksand, Funeral for a Friend, Thrice, Tears for Fears. Fucking loads of stuff we've done over on that. That's just, that's just one part of it as well. We've also um, got the classic album... Uh, specials that we do If you sign up for our £5 tier You get a couple of classic albums every month And we this week shall be recording Remfrey's next pick Which is on PJ Harvey's Stories from the City, Stories from the Sea Yes, yeah. Which I'm very much looking forward to I've
1: really been enjoying going back And listening to, I've actually been listening To the first five PJ Harvey Albums really um, Because I've just i really really love that part of her career i love her whole career really but the way that she she's kind of like the indie madonna in that you know she changed with every single record
0: and she changed everything with every single record but always made something really really interesting um one of my favorite beatles songs as well indie madonna (laughs) indie madonna something something else (laughs) that's it yeah um I was watching her set at the Reading Festival in 2001, which I did witness at the time I was there. She's wearing a very short leather skirt.
1: Right. I don't know if I should say this actually, but I I was going to send you a bootleg of that. But if you've already seen it, then that's fine. But yeah, that's a. Wouldn't mind booting your leg? (laughs) What? No, I don't know. Carry on. Don't know. Don't, on, don't, on. On. No, don't know. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, and she plays. I think every single song she plays is from stories from the stories from the C bar one, if I recall.
0: Correctly. It's quite a lot of. Yeah yeah, I, yeah. yeah. She looks great as well. Right. She looks like a fucking rock star. Yeah. Yeah. Which yeah. she is. Uh, anyway, yes, that's that's going to be coming up very very soon. Classic albums, as I said, A couple a month for a fiver. If you'd like to sign up. Guns N' Roses, Pink Floyd, The Beatles, Weezer, Sepultura, U2, Pixies, Depeche Mode, Nick Cave, Opeth, Gallows, Jane's Addiction, Lauren Hill, Slipknot, Morbid Angel, Neil Young, REM, Baroness, Joy Division. Oh, loads more! We've done a load of them. Better lineup than Hellfest? That it's a similarly stacked. One. <laughs> it is similarly stacked, isn't it? Hellfest is quite broad, but I would like to see Ben Folds Five, Gojira, Morbid Angel, and Lauren Hill on the same bill. Yeah, absolutely, be good, wouldn't it? Anyway, we should say as well. Uh, If you'd like to find us on Facebook, if you'd like to find us on Instagram or at Riot underscore podcast on Twitter, we get a fair old bit of interaction. We've been saying just before we start recording, Renfri, we're going to talk about a tweet that we got because um, I feel like we say stuff. we have these shows, right? And then we say the things that we say. And then often you come back to us and you go, here's an interesting perspective that neither Renfri nor I had really considered while we were doing our review. And we want to do that more often, so this isn't like a, a, a request for sort of Q&A questions, but more from your kind of opinions um, and responses to the things that we might stay on the show, which will increase some kind of dialogue between the three of us, that being me, Renfri, and you, our listenership, together. Um, last week, we reviewed the, uh, the latest Trivium album, *In The Court of the Dragon, and it turned into more of a conversation regarding the nature of identity within heavy music currently and how difficult that is how important that is how important you felt it needs to be for you to enjoy a metal band how you know it can it hamper songwriting overall if you don't feel you know emotionally connected to the individuals that are um, are making that music um, we had quite a lot of responses I mean I'm not going to read some of them out because some of them were a little bit rude I'm not gonna lie but I suspect those people aren't listening this week um, fine but here's something that uh you had a little interaction with oliver pope mostowitz i hope i've said your name right oliver i know i've met oliver before he's a nice guy Mm. and um you have a little conversation regarding the Trivium record and he ended this conversation with this and i thought it was an interesting thing to bring up he says you guys may know is this something that genres go through all the time talking about the kind of um what would we call what's happening in metal the kind of identikit nature of a lot of metal bands at the moment what would you call it because it's something that's affect sort of poorly affecting metal i think it's what just, would you call that i
1: think it's just sort of for, uh, uh, a formula and, and yeah a formulaic of, nature yeah, I mean, yeah fear to break out of that formula due to i think in this case due to how certain fans might react my guess
0: and pre-existing tropes of the genre that are celebrated yeah okay fine um steve talked about how vibrant hip-hop is now or hardcore i guess given everyone's favorite band wouldn't have been the same conversation for a long time during gangster rap early to mid noughties and that's a i think that's an incredibly apt comparison to be honest because i think when 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 gangster rap kind of came along and then i guess morphed into that east coast west coast thing uh happening which um on the east coast morphed into p diddy and jiggy and um you know i think the success of eminem in the mainstream i'm talking about the mainstream really because Mm. you know there's obviously a lot of stuff going on i mentioned jurassic five and dilated people and far side and a lot of those those kind of artists i think you've got the southern rap thing and that kind of um moss death and that kind of coffee house hip-hop as well not as commercially successful as the biggest hip-hop artists. and i think i said to you like you know buster rhymes when you get to the mid noughties and you get buster rhymes doing songs with mariah carey and jar roll and kelly Rowland, and you get a lot of and i mean you've mentioned 50 cent being something which you found particularly alienating mm, yeah. um when when that record came out and in the aftermath of him i guess You look at artists like Fat Joe and The Game. I remember my girlfriend at the time, her brother, they got The the Games album. And I just remember thinking, well, this is just a, a crap version of stuff that was getting done 10 years ago. It's not saying anything new. It's not saying anything interesting. But then you get an artist who comes along. You can kind of break the mold and change the direction that a certain genre moves in. I'm going to use Kanye West in this particular instance so I think is kind of reinvented hip-hop a couple of times um, the
1: essay that I got sent by a listener on Kanye West actually went into this quite a bit and how mm-hmm. he changed um, how he changed it from a gangster rap sort of sound to bringing in more gospel elements and stuff like that uh there may yeah. be other things as well but i just sort of want to show that i learn things and thank you you paid said. attention yeah. <laughs> so i'm paying yeah. attention
0: but I, I i think it's a I think it's a really valid point that you know um you don't get uh kind of the like the, the, the big superstars in modern hip-hop who are doing really interesting things at the moment, we reviewed Tyler, the creator's record previously. We've had yeah. lots of chats about Kendrick and, you know, and um, and I think, you know, Run the Jewels, obviously we were really big on their album last year as well. And I, I think like when you when you look at that kind of very slow but steady evolution to a place where hip hop is not only the commercial dominant genre on the planet at the moment, it's probably the broadest in terms of, what it can do whilst still being popular like there's only really one way at the moment to be a popular metal band or maybe two there's a couple of ways to be like a popular metal band and one is to be like a kind of you know a a very kind of radio rock friendly former metalcore band who have gone a bit kind of butt rock stroke lincoln parky, or have formed in 1978 and your best years are way behind you but you sound like classic metal and
1: I wonder if that, there's a I I'm I'm sorry this might derail this ever so slightly and I apologize if it does but I wonder if there's a third example of that now coming through um which is maybe bands that are built like the brand of the band is built before the band is so you know you could argue that this might have happened with Sleep Token you could argue that Wargasm are having an attempt at it now um, these bands that like they're just so inexplicably massive and and the reaction to them i wonder if that is a growing thing that is happening um,
0: um I, don't know. I think that's sort of always been around really mm, maybe i mean i like i'm not even gonna count wargasm because one i they've got no, i don't know got anything to do with metal as a band really yeah. and two um they are a they aren't that big anyway are they do you know what I mean they' they're not mean? Act- they're big for what they are then you know, that, considering they're mm. ba- considering they're basically a you know s club juniors um they're definitely they're, they're, <laughs> like, they're
1: definitely a band in the infancy of that of what they've been doing but um i i can i mean just like the reaction that they got when we were at the h m a s and stuff like that from the people on the ground <laughs> people who actually listen to music um was really like holy shit and you were saying that the reaction at download it feels like that that is a train that is building how long it'll build for i don't know but you know i
0: don't know yeah i think that you know like you you can go back pretty much every year and look at almost every genre of music and go that's something that got a lot of hype and the hype was the only thing that sort of built upon it but i do think that metal in you know like when you look at the bands that seem to be kind of really making I, I mean I would say Sleep Token are not only musically a cut above Orgasm well, oh, quite yeah. a fair bit yeah, above yeah. Oh, them, yeah, but yeah, I think yeah. also also that you know that they're bigger in in kind of every respect mm. really aren't they like they're charting and they seem to be more ambitious and there seem to be more people who are actually have been invested in them sort of properly from the ground up. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, and it's been a bit of a slower build. It's been a pretty monumental and epic build, but it's been... It, it's it been...
1: It's not quite well, overnight. No,
0: yeah. no, no. It's not like Creeper. People who call Creeper are an overnight. I mean, Creeper was a band who I sort of compared Sleep Token to previously. And I would... I think they're probably the best sort of comparative point same. In, in terms of their career building. same in.
1: management, and I think it has been the same approach. Yeah, so, like, yeah, to yeah, an yeah, extent. Yeah. yeah,
0: yeah. But somebody kind of needs to, to kind of cut through all that. I mean, this is what, when we reviewed, it's funny because when we reviewed Frontier the week before the Trivium thing, and I was saying, it is a shame, I think, that people aren't going, you know, it used to, Nirvana kind of cut the legs off of 80s hair metal. Or the head off, if you like, and said, "No, no, no! This approach is now is it, it, it's it's obsolete. It's finished now. Mm. It's absurd and it's tacky and it's been overdone to the point of you know it's ad infinitum. It's done. There is nothing left for these people to say. And I do think you look at, I mean, metalcore being obviously a big bugbear of mine.
1: You should write an the article apps- about that."
0: I should do really, shouldn't I? I mean the thing is there's only um, ten bands in Metalcore that I hate, unfortunately, so uh, <laughs> I mean that article would be thirty thousand I should write a fucking book about it. It'd be longer than the Bible. Like <laughs> I shouldn't have encouraged you, carry on. No, you shouldn't have encouraged you shouldn't <laughs> have encouraged me. Um, but um but yeah, but I, I do think that, you know, like that looked like it had run out of legs and run out of steam back in about two thousand and eleven.
1: I think that's being kind, but yeah. Uh, well, yeah. I mean,
0: it was kind of a joke, yeah. 2011, wasn't it? It was a full-blown joke, yeah. and it's managed to sort yeah. of, you know, it's if it was just limping along, and you're like, oh bless. Like I look at deathcore, and I sort of think, I get a deathcore album sent to me now and again, and I go, oh, I wonder what, what's going on in deathcore, and I listen to it, and it's, like, oh, it's the same thing. But no one's really like repping for deathcore particularly, are they? No one's really being like, oh, deathcore's the thing. Particularly, I
1: don't think so.
0: No. I don't think they away. are. No, no. I mean, I got the new Whitechapel album recently, and they're pretty much the. I think at this point, I, mean, I doubt we'll review the Whitechapel album, but I will say, I think listening to the new Whitechapel album, if they're a death, if they're a deathcore band, they're basically the best deathcore deathcore band ever, mm. because that album doesn't really sound like deathcore at that point, and you know, and I, I feel like people might stamp their feet a little bit about that, and that is a bit of a problem with those genres and people go it needs to have breakdown so i get i get all of that i just think i'm just gonna get, need sorry well, well, I, well was, I was gonna say you need someone to come along and just go nah fuck this yeah exactly get rid of it all.
1: yeah 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 or or i th- i just think you need i uh, i don't know i i mean I, in terms of the original question as to whether you know this happens in other genres as well I feel like we feel it a lot in metal because metal is what we grew up with and metal is we are, <laughs> believe it or not, we are still really passionate about metal and I think we're closer to that shot, So for example, if um, Eurotrance has gone through the same sort of thing, I might not be aware that it's gone through that thing because my relationship to Eurotrance is nowhere near the same relationship as my relationship to metal so you know um and maybe we notice it more in metal because i think maybe t- to me
0: i mean clearly indie had it we spoke about it on broken records at the time yeah. indie had it in the mid-noughties absolutely right? yeah it definitely happened and it's taken um well i i guess it's take, you know i i will probably put the the the, the blame or the you know the the, congr- the, the gratitude at the feet of female pop stars mm. like in terms of killing off in in much in the same way as nirvana kind of killed off hair metal i feel like female pop stars changed like what people in the mainstream were looking at suddenly being you know a bloke with skinny jeans who looked a bit like noel fielding mm. playing a song about you know having a, a bit of a sniff there on in camden on a saturday night was you know absolutely looked looked Embarrassing and boring and stupid, and that's all everybody did for about five years. That's all you look back at those Reading lineups, and that's all that was on the main stages at Reading for ages. And now those same people who are into that shit are moaning about Billie Eilish playing Glastonbury, and it's like you just look like yeah. you 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 look like relics from a bygone era. Mm. And I think you know you could have sort of you sort of could have said that about hip hop. In the mainstream, you could have gone, fucking you know, like, somebody needs to come and sort this out, and somebody did. I think you look at indie, and indie's kind of had to retreat underground and go back to what it initially... I think kind of what it initially was. When we look at the indie bands that we've really sort of been um, super positive about, uh, something like Wildcat Strike, who are they? I mean, are they even properly an indie band? I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. Car Seat Headrest. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, th- those bands... They're not really, it's, it's more kind of, it's nerdy and thoughtful in a way that someone like Razorlight and The Kooks mm. never were, you know?
1: Can I ask you where Wolf Alice would fit into that, do you think? I know I, I, I know. I like f- that record a lot more than you do. But, well, yeah.
0: I, I think Wolf Alice would fit in there absolutely fine. You know, Wolf Alice are not a band that I have any kind of negative response towards. It's just a record that um, it didn't fully connect with me mm on an emotional but if you're saying to me would i if, if that wolf alice album comes out in 2006 mm, mm, mm. it's the best indie album of the decade unquestionably at that time apart yeah. from like block silent alarm by block party or whatever mm, mm. but yeah so did you i know, tell I, you I, I
1: went to see wolf alice a couple of weeks ago i can't remember if i even said you didn't yeah no. i went to see wolf alice down at prism in kingston um mm. Uh, and yeah I mean I I really really enjoyed it I thought they put on a great like a really great set I really loved the new tunes like I think I want to see them again definitely so mm. yeah
0: yeah yeah well that's good I mean I think broadly to kind of go back to Oliver's point I think the thing is when something becomes a way an easy way for people who don't really know why they're making music to make a lot of money and get successful or to to become sort of vaguely, broadly successful without really having to try too hard. I got sent, I mean, I shouldn't really. So I got sent the first metalcore album since everything uh, for Metal Hammer the other day. I got sent a Swedish metalcore band and they just sound exactly the same as Architects. I'm not going to say they are, but they just sound exactly the same as Architects. Exactly the same as Architects. Like when it came to, for fans of, and putting that bit, I wanted to put Architects, early Architects, and a, a different Architects album Because I was like Well they don't They literally don't There's no one else they sound like Yeah, It's like, art, like Badly Not as good Architects songs mm. That's what you've done mm. Um, And what a, what a waste Of everybody's time Yeah Absolutely But I mean What you're
1: describing there Is formulas isn't it Once you have got yeah. To a point Where you can go Oh okay If we do this Do this Bolt that on And have a scream lyric here Then we have a quote-unquote metalcore song or an architect song or whatever and it's when that's easily to that's when it's that is easy to replicate and can just be done you know in the words of trent Reznor, copy of a copy of a copy of a copy um i guess that's when a genre starts to get a bit stagnant and i suppose my passion with it in metal is i feel like it's a lot of that stuff that is getting pushed And we were having a chat about Frontier the other day and saying how, like, that stuff isn't getting pushed to anywhere near as much of an extent. And if both things were pushed or if other elements, other bands that we would cover on here were pushed in those circles as well, I wouldn't have a big problem with it at all. It wouldn't bother me in the slightest, but I don't feel like they do get those pushes. Um, Mm. You know, I mean...
0: I I honestly feel one thing I will say in kind of agreement with you is that, I mean, I do agree with quite a lot of what you have said, but I think one of the things is that the natural rollover and push and pull of something is a reaction to what's popular and that becomes popular to the point of it kind of burning out and the reaction to that then becomes popular. That was always the way in which music would roll you know Mm -hmm. i mean progressive rock was great when it came out with pink floyd and you know king crimson and stuff happened it was great but by the late mid 70s punk needed to happen to be the antithesis of that yeah and then punk became so formulaic that and you know and 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 sort of cheap and and like say easy to replicate that new wave and i guess well, wow, let's uh, new romantic rather than, than glam, and you know, that kind of post punk and stuff, all that needed to happen. And then when glam became ridiculous, grunge had to happen, and then that became boring and too dour, yeah. And too sort of new metal needed to happen, and yeah. pop punk needed to happen, and all those things. And the problem is, is that used to be a kind of five, six year long cycle of something react, you know, after new metal, Opeth came along, and you suddenly go, Oh, doesn't prog sound exciting suddenly? don't the white stripes sound exciting even though they're just borrowing from 1920s blues but doesn't that sound fresh in the context of the the world that surrounds it Mm. and you don't get that so much anymore because there are nothing dominates so there's there can be no reaction to it and i guess that means that you get certain genres that do rely on quite like I i think i said last week about metal it's the brilliance of metal is when you can do something really great in such a tight space if you're spin it swing it, sort of sp- swimming round and round and round and round and round in the circle lots of things are just going gonna, gonna to keep being oh look this is another one of them and another one of them and another one of them and yeah it's difficult to know when or how that's actually going to change but I think I'm not sure it is I think
1: historically the media has had its part to play in that cycle going round and round and round
0: yeah definitely um,
1: and the thing that the the big difference between now and then is something we've talked about a myriad of times before but the way that people listen to music and the fact that they don't have to risk putting down x amount of money for a cd or vinyl if they don't want to they can just stream stuff and so therefore i don't think people feel this real need to be like well now i listen to thrash metal and you know next year i'm going to listen to shoegaze like everyone's just happy to have a little bit of everything so i don't think the media needs to follow that path anymore i think that they can they can and should try and throw out as many different things as they can which is what we try to do but i think sometimes some of those outlets are still thinking with their heads 10 years in the past rather than what's actually happening now
0: and I mean, you know, look, you can't deny that the bands that I'm talking about that we probably don't like, and Trivium, for me, are not one of those bands, but, mm. you know, they they are popular. I mean, Trivium mm-hmm. are popular as well, obviously, but, the, you know, the bands that, the, uh, like, wow, well, Ginger or Spirit Box or, you know, whoever you want to chuck in there who's, who are massive. Like, Knock Loose, people have been going mad for Knock Loose this, this week. It's like, oh, yes, this is quite good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's it, really. Like, oh, yeah, okay, fine, that's cool. So, um, I, I don't know. I think
1: there'd be much more space for the other bands, like some of the uh, harder or heavier stuff, to be well liked across the board. Maybe not to the same degree, probably never to the same degree, but if it was put in more people's faces, there's a lot of people who don't even realize that a band like Frontier even exists. There are a lot of people who would call themselves really die-hard metal fans and probably are up to a point but they probably are unaware that the bands can even do that you know
0: yeah it's true um i mean broadly yes i mean it's sort of sort of the same but different isn't it these days yeah like uh i don't envisage i guess maybe when hip-hop was going through that thing you, you could have someone come along and just you know grab it and dominate it and change the narrative of it but this now is because it's probably harder to do that now oh because you you never have everyone's full attention yeah and those people who do just listen to that thing like say you get people who are like i like trivium i like bullet i like that kind of thing something's got to come along outside of their usual listening habits that makes them go fucking hell this is completely new and different and you know this really should be, and that sort of used to happen and I don't know that it can even happen anymore. So I don't know, is that a problem? I think it's great that people listen to so much different music, but I just wish that, I think it's great that everyone has so much access to so much music, but I'm not sure that everybody fully uh, utilises that gift. But that's up to them.
1: Mm, Yeah.
0: Anyway. Uh, Slayer, let's talk about Slayer. (laughs) <laughs> speaking of speaking of uh i don't know what we were talking about like yes metal should be let's let's push metal forward into new and exciting areas <laughs> but let's also talk about <laughs> let's also talk about slayer um slayer has said that uh, sorry kerry king said that slayer quit too early in disbanding in november 2019 he uh made a comment Uh, on a a, a video that he sent to Machine Head, as Machine Head celebrated their 30th anniversary as a band. He said, so I hear congratulations are in order for my friends in Machine Head. Apparently, it's 30 years, which is quite an achievement. Not a lot of bands get there. We did, and then we quit too early. Fuck us, fuck me. I hate fucking not playing. Now, that's fair enough, right? That's fair enough, Kerry. You miss playing, but Slayer did not quit too early they didn't I mean <laughs> even the Dillinger escape plan didn't quit too early I don't think no I think bands shelf lives used to be sort of 10 12 maybe 15 years at best yeah Yeah. I think Slayer had a pretty good run do you know what I mean more than a pretty good run yeah pretty exceptional run and i don't necessarily think like, it might be controversial to some people i don't think the world needs slayer right now i don't think the world needs
1: slayer and i don't think the world needed slayer for quite a long time uh before they split um i'm wondering where where what would have been the perfect year for slayer to split up in your opinion stephen hill
0: 2004.
1: That's exactly what I was going to say. 2004. Yeah. yeah, I think that would have been the absolute perfect time because they just released, well, no, the previous three years previous, they'd released God Hates Us All. We would have toured yep. that brilliant fucking record. Mm-hmm. Dave um,
0: Lombardo comes back for one last run of shows with yeah, the band. Yeah. And then, they call, and then they
1: call it a day. That would have been great. Absolutely amazing.
0: Uh, and, and if you're sitting there going what what, but they played download no great never yeah 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 they were great. I tell you what, they played with Anthrax and Cattle Attack at Brixton Academy, and they were absolutely fucking phenomenal. And I saw some amazing Slayer shows, Unholy Alliance again at Brixton with with Mastodon. And, uh, no, sorry, that was it. Um, that was at Hammersmith Apollo. I saw them uh, with Lamb of God and In Flames. That show, did you go to that show? I didn't,
1: but yeah, I know the one you're talking mm. about.
0: Yeah, and they were great. You know, they yeah. were really good. I mean, Lamb of god smoked them. To mm. be fair, smoked everyone. Mm. But uh but they were fucking great. You know, I saw a lot of great Slayer shows yeah. in the the sort of last fifteen years before they quit. But but that's um, a different
1: question, isn't it? It is not it that, is, that that's yes. Not you know. That's not saying like when you should split up is not saying you can't do anything good after that point. It's just go. It's sort of saying what was the point where you started to run out of steam, and if you had if you had quit at this point then you would have been quitting on an absolute high rather than sort of s- slowly over what like a 15 year period mm. Like, I mean, does it, do
0: you, uh, if you're sitting here like a bit folding your arms and get a bit grumpy ask me this when was the last time you listened to Christ Illusion when was the last time you listened to Well Painted Blood and when was the last time you listened to Repentless it's quite. Just, <laughs> just just have a little think about that for a second <laughs> I would suspect, in all three cases, it's quite a while. Maybe Repentless a bit more recently because it only came out five years ago or whatever it was. Yeah. Like five years ago? Yeah, five, Four, six years five ago. Five years ago,
1: something like that.
0: But I, I very much doubt any of you when you go, oh, I think I'll put some Slayer on.
1: Yeah.
0: How many of you go in a fucking jihad from Christ Illusion?
1: You've probably picked the best song from the, that, I, those I, entire I, three records.
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, I mean, I actually do think that song's great, but yeah. I'm not putting that on over fucking Seasons in the Abyss.
1: No, exactly. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, anyway, yeah. Unless you, unless you, well, again, come back to us. Are we being harsh? 2004 for Slayer? Nah. I think that feels fine. Yeah. Get Dave Lombardo back one last tour. I would have been you perfect. Never, I mean... Would have been perfect you never you could go like Well, oh, you would have never had gary holt in the band it's like yeah and gary holt's great and he was great but slayer is kerry king tom Araya, yeah jeff hanneman paul Bostoff did a lot of good stuff for them as well so i'm not shitting on paul bostov but lombardo you want those four guys
1: yeah and gary holt did a really good job in in difficult circumstances of recreating that stuff but he didn't bring anything particularly new to the band i don't think
0: it's only on one album and it's a pretty yeah. bad album yeah exactly so oh, a very average album it's got a bad it's not bad it's, it's just fine. very average it's fine <laughs> <laughs> yeah hell. um yes so listen um kerry don't worry about it you actually don't feel bad i'm sure you miss playing but You shouldn't feel bad because, if anything, you outstayed your welcome. So... I can't imagine you saying that to his face. Oh, fuck no. (laughs) Are you fucking mad? Not a chance. No way. I wouldn't say it to his face, no. Definitely not. I'd find a clever way around it.
1: Well, we can roleplay if you want. Um, Okay. I I don't have any shades here. And (laughs) I can't bold. Well,
0: then you're shit. You you, you (laughs) can't... I can't um,
1: shave my head but I can look gruff
0: alright yeah Kerry um, so the last three records that Slayer have done yeah the best fucking records we've ever done You better, better than Rain in Blood do you think that the last three have, do you ever do you ever get annoyed that yeah. people always compare yeah. like Rain in Blood as your pinnacle and no, so it's yeah, the great um, good greatest uh, the it be- is the, the great best,
1: best records we've ever done Christ Illusion and uh, Repentance and um, uh, the other one <laughs> best records we've ever done
0: I don't think he thinks so.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that's a very good Kerry King impression either, but fuck it. No, it isn't.
0: It um, isn't. He's, not, he's, he's, quite, he's nice, Kerry King. He's sure quite he's nice. 70. Yeah,
1: I've never met him. So.
0: Yeah, he was quite nice. Um, he. I wouldn't tell him that they should split up, but I would go, do you ever listen to those records? Oh, no, I wouldn't, actually. I don't even know what I'm talking about. Who am I trying to kid? I wouldn't say fuck all. To, I wouldn't say boo to a bloody Kerry King's goose. <laughs> I wouldn't. I'm a pussy.
1: You did seem quite aggressive with me there, and I did wonder, would you really be that aggressive? Like, passive aggressive, I would say.
0: Well, only because he said they're the best record. If he turned around, if Kerry King turned around to me and said, World Painted Blood is the best Slayer album, I'd go, do you really think that? (laughs) Fucking hell.
1: You should never talk to Jimmy Page. I think he thinks Presence is the best Led Zeppelin record, which is quite a hot take,
0: I have to say. Yeah, 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 it is. Anyway... Uh, there you go, Kerry. Um, let's have it out one day. I'm <laughs> probably offering out Kerry King on the podcast. I'm not at all. i you know, I just think that two thousand four would have been great. Everyone would look back now and say, Oh, I saw Slayer. Yeah. You know, and I speak to kind of younger people and I go, I saw Pantera and they're super fucking jealous. And I like that, it's good yeah. for them. <laughs> it's
1: good for your ego. Yeah. It is. It's, it's good, like, it
0: just feels nice. Yeah. Uh, anyway, let's do some bloody reviews, shall we? Uh, let's start with Every Time I Die. Hear a band who I don't think have, have, have outstayed their welcome at all. Their album is called Radical. It's their ninth studio album. The Buffalo New York Hardcore Legends. This is the follow-up to the excellent, obviously, Low Teens from 2016. Five years without an album. It's pretty fucking mental for a band who have always consistently delivered brilliant, brilliant records throughout their entire career. But this is comfortably the biggest gap between records that they have ever had. Um, it does feel like a long time for every time. It like is a time. long time. I mean, yeah. maybe maybe COVID played a bit of a part in that. Yeah, we I don't would really imagine know. so. But still, New Junk Aesthetic came out in 2009. excise came out in 2012. And that's not actually even three years because New Junk Aesthetic came out in September 2009 and Exile came out in March 2012. So it's really 10, more like two and a half years and having checked that is still comfortably the biggest gap between records that every time i die i've ever had now it's uh five years and a month give or take a week or so
1: yeah, it's which really is kind a
0: of time. mad isn't it yeah kind of mad that a band yeah. like every time i die have been so consistent so often you know two year two year two year two year two year you're getting every time i die album yeah. and it's always fucking great
1: yeah
0: uh what's the fucking hold up with this one
1: like you say i think i'm pretty positive that coronavirus had a part to play in it. I believe this record's been ready for a while. Um and I, you know, I mean we're not talking about a ninth nice studio album now. I mean maybe this is the point where things do start to slow down a bit. And I don't think that's the end of the world. Whilst um I do totally agree with you that I don't think every time I die I've outstayed their welcome in any way, shape or form. Um, We do have a lot of great Every Time I Die material now. There's a lot of, there's a big back catalogue now. And I don't know how, I'm very happy to see a new Every Time I Die album come along. But I don't know how desperate I am for more new, great Every Time I Die songs in the same style as before. Not because I don't think they're a great band, because I think they're a fucking wonderful band. But there's a lot. (laughs) There's already a lot.
0: Um, There is a lot. When you think there's probably no bad every time I die songs, unless you go. I mean, I think you need to go right back to kind of last night in town when you go. Yeah, it's a bit scrappy, that isn't it? Yeah, bit scrappy, like not great. And then Hot Damn, I know everyone like. I know there are a lot of people who absolutely love Hot Damn. I think Hot Damn's pretty good. Yes. But by their standards it's only pretty good, I yeah, would say. Yeah. I would say the run they go on from Well gutter phenomenon um, to low team. Gutter phenomenon.
1: Yeah. It's just uh, like every album's fucking minimum eight out of ten, you know. Mm-hmm. Um so so yes, yeah, so I don't mean that in the sense that uh I'm bored of them or anything like that. You know, they've still got very much a very obvious identity which I don't think a lot of other bands do pull off certainly not in the same way I think Keith Buckley's got shit loads to do with that but I actually think it's the way that the riffs are played as well there's a sort of funness to every time I die uh, more so than other hardcore bands which I think is very intrinsic to them um and yeah I mean it's wicked to finally get a new record uh, even though if i'm totally honest with myself i wasn't like oh man i really need a new every time i die record in my life very very quickly but i'm pretty happy to have this
0: yeah i mean it's a tough one isn't it really because i think after nine albums mm. you do sort of go am i going to hear anything that is really really new mm. or surprising from a band with such an uh, an immediately identifiable sound every time i die are uh, surely the flip to what you were saying about trivium where you go I- you definitely know yep. that it's every time I die. There isn't really anyone in hardcore that plays music. Even though every time I die, I basically have a kind of three different flavors of songs that they do. Yeah, really fucking mad, fast, crazy ones. Yeah, those kind of big beat downy, um, sort of hulking, doomy, almost stoner riffery ones. Yes. Yeah. And then these sort of weirdly melodic but yet still very heavy ones as well yeah so there's nothing that they do everything you hear from every time i die the dial is bleeding into the red right M- more they, or less yeah more or less yeah. you know like it very rarely steps out of that yeah. but they have kind of i would say three different ways of doing it and over the years the dexterity with which they replicate those things again and again and again and again, and again to keep you interested i think is is it's amazing. Because it should be impossible. I can't think of any... You know, every time I die, a hardcore band. They're straight up fucking hardcore. But basically, if you distill it down to its absolute base elements, I can't think of another hardcore band that I think, well, you know, I want to hear what you sound like nine albums in.
1: Ooh.
0: Anyone? I mean, I genuinely can't think of one. I'm struggling. I mean, I had that little period where I loved sick of it all and pretty much most most of the records kind of sounded the same although i still always say yours truly is a, a slight outlier um and that was they had a kind of five six album run where i was like everything here is fucking great um i think let live if you're counting them as a hardcore band would have done that i think you would look at something like glass and go they probably would if they got nine albums in yeah. You'd probably still be interested. Yeah. I, I, didn't, still... I didn't
1: say let level glass year because they hadn't got to that point. But yeah, but yeah. I refuse sure if they'd have
0: yeah. not split up. I think so. Do we count Dillinger as hardcore? Not really. Um Converge, maybe the only other one. Oh yeah, Converge. It's not a lot, is it? It's no. not a lot of bands who can hold your attention. And to be fair as well, I would say Converge uh, have gone out of their way to make more drastic stylistic um deviants and uh you know changes throughout their career than every time i die have
1: yes probably overall yeah they probably have mm. yeah and they've got blood moon coming up um in november yeah, which I'm, is probably the biggest deviation they've done up to this point you know, yeah which i'm sure think
0: of stuff like acts the fall when they're bringing in members of neurosis and yeah yeah entombed and stuff and yeah Stephen brodsky and whatnot um you know they've they've done a lot of different stuff, yeah. and they're pretty much the only ones that really kind of massively spring to mind. By the time uh, Bad Brains were getting to, you know, nine albums in, it was not good. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> do you know what I mean, not good. Um, so it's a tough one because, again, I'm like you. I I heard this, I was like, "Hooray! It's going to be another every time I die album," and they're always fucking brilliant, and they do that thing they do. And the quality is, is an unbelievably high quality that I can't help but when this is on, go, fucking hell, this is great. Hmm. But yeah, if they're going to play an hour, how the fuck are they going to fit everything that people want to hear into an hour?
1: <laughs> I don't know. Well, they're just going to have to be one of those bands who, like, you You know, you have to see them every single time they come around. Otherwise, you'll probably only get your favourite song, like, once every five years or something like that. But yeah, I mean, it's insane now, you know. Um, it's insane. Um I wonder, there's... Uh, I mean, look, this is uh, a regular thing that comes up all the time. I wonder if uh, the amount of time that we've waited is the reason why we've been given a 16-track, 52-minute album. Because would you say that's a little bit much for Every Time I Die?
0: Yeah. I was sort of surprised that it was as long as it was. Yeah. Um...
1: Also, I'm difficult not to know which song to take which songs I would take off. Yeah, <laughs>
0: every, everything is everything is good on it on this exactly, record, right? everything yeah. is pretty much great. I think there yeah. are some there are a few absolute gold standard every time I die songs on this record. I yep. mean, um, Sly I, I think is insanely brilliant, awesome as a miracle Coloss-
1: wanted like a criminal. That's a great, yeah, record. yeah, yeah,
0: Colossal Wreck. I think is yes. amazing, oh, hostile. Man. Hostile Architecture is brilliant. Yeah, White Void has almost got a, got a stadium grunge chorus to it. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I was like, oh, good. You know, that's good as well. Uh, there's a sort of dreamy chorus on people Verses as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you broadly know what you're going to get, but you get the occasional sort of like weird thing that you go, oh, okay, that's cool. Mm-hmm. Um, it's nothing more than that. It's nothing where you go, oh, my God, I can't believe they've done a full-blown... You know, five reggae songs like tacked in <laughs> next to each other. Uh, There's nothing quite like that, but at the same time, yeah, I, 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 I guess if we've had to, if ha- having to have had to wait five years, maybe they felt like they wanted to use as much material as possible. Yeah,
1: yeah, possibly.
0: And it is hard to know what to take out of, of this record because pretty much everything on it is good, but it's a bit of a it's a bit of an earful overall. Yes, I think it's a little bit of an earful to get like 52 minutes of every time I die going kind of full throttle throughout this is a very full throttle sounding record yeah yeah
1: it absolutely is i think um i think it's actually a highly experimental album but that's kind of hidden somewhat because it's it's really um i'm gonna say overstuffed with too many songs that you you where you have heard this before from Every Time I Die, you know. Um, I don't know, songs like The Whip or AWOL, even Planet Shit, you know, I think is like a really good version of a song that I've heard Every Time I Die do a bunch of times before. I really like when they do different things on this album, and I think like a song like Thing With Feathers, for example, feels Mm. like something I've not heard Every Time I Die do possibly ever It starts with like a clean picked guitar park and part and melodic vocals and there's a guest spot from manchester orchestra's andy hull who's getting about a bit he's like all over the place at the moment um which is absolutely fine with me because i think andy hull's brilliant and thing with feathers is one of the few points on radical where I go you've not done this before every time i die and i kind of want to hear more of that and i think if the record had been half things which were a bit more melodic and a bit different for them and half those other songs it might have been a bit tighter and tauter and more of a kind of like oh this is a really interesting record but i think as a result that a lot of the experimental stuff is quite buried on this record it feels like which i think is a bit of a shame because i think it's really really good you mentioned white void earlier where you hear sort of keith buckley almost go for a chino moreno sort of delivery that more ethereal Mm. sort of thing And it really works. Like I really, really like that. We Go Together, which is the final song, starts in an absolutely apocalyptic manner, but has this huge melodic chorus, which really brings it all together. And then this weird haunted house music comes in, which sounds like it's played on a keyboard or something like that. And it just keeps on coming in at random intervals as if the song is haunted or something like that. It's a really cool way to end the record. Um really nice to hear Josh Scoggin as well from 68 and the Chariot on All This Is in War. Uh, I think he has an instantly identifiable voice. Uh yep. I mean, before I'd even read the liner notes, I was like, oh, Josh Scoggin's on this record. That's wicked. And he's in his pretty full on maniacal preacher mode. That is more typical ETID, but I just, you know, love that sort of shit. But I do wonder that if maybe if maybe it had been a 12-track record and it retained all of the slightly weirder left turns um, and maybe just taken f- just four songs off that are more typical every time I die and just release those as singles or just release those as, like, an EP or something like that, I wonder if that would have been made the album itself stronger. Because for me, this is another very good... Every Time I Die album, as opposed to another yeah. great Every Time I Die album, because Low Teens was a great Every Time I Die album, like yeah. really like one of their best. To the point where, if people say to me Low Teens is my favorite record of theirs, I'm like, fair enough, I I understand that completely. I don't, it's it's not my favorite, but I understand totally why it's in that position. Um, mm-hmm. I'd find that a little bit weirder if someone said that about Radical to me. But it's still great. Yeah, uh,
0: just, just picking up, uh, uh, it up. It's great, right? It's a great record. Every time I die, are oh, great. They sound great. In terms of the sort of experimental stuff, when you say about the, the kind of more melodic stuff, I mean, it definitely, for me, it would have hit harder were it um, uh, not, yeah, not surrounded by stuff. I, I guess it's difficult because, actually, I mean, you only have to go back to, or not even only, but if you go back to, like, From Parts Unknown, yeah. which came out in 2014 the song like more yeah. on that album which is you know basically keith buckley and a piano yeah you know and so it's not like they haven't been doing something like that pretty much for do you know what i mean there's always a few tracks on every record where you go Oh, I've never heard that before. I'm
1: not trying to suggest that they've never done it before. Definitely not. And more really sticks no. out on that album. Um, yeah. I, I think it would be very difficult for more not to stick out on any of their records, to be honest, because it's so different. But I'm just saying there are so many... Um, more typical every time I die songs on this album that some of that more experimental material doesn't stick out on, in the way mm. that more did on From Parts Unknown. Yeah,
0: exactly. And I think you know From Parts Unknown is about thirty-two minutes long. Much shorter as record. a record. I think it's eleven 52 songs. Fifty-two minutes. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah. it's twelve songs actually. But Might be, yeah. Fine. Um, I won't check just in case um (laughs) in case you're right you've become very pedantic fuck it i will well yeah (laughs) i've 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 learned from the best (laughs) referee uh it is 12 songs and the deluxe edition is is 14 songs yes and it's 32 minutes um thank you uh yeah so i think yeah it, it does but you know you're taking kind of so in in that you're taking like a a three and a half minute chunk of that 32 minutes and going ooh, whereas this yeah there are bits in it where you go huh, yeah that's a bit different but i think they're they're for me they're slightly more fleeting and they're surrounded by more typical every time i die yeah. but let's not get this wrong at all this is a really fucking good record and if you like every time i die and by the way i mean you should god help god help you if you don't god help your poor bruised and battered soul if you don't <laughs> yeah but um yeah I, I i actually i think what it is is i listened to it in, in full and i was like really good but picking highlights from it i was like i don't know what the highlights are yeah because everything feels so every time i die and yeah. i'm just like kind of conditioned to go this is a great band
1: yeah yeah there are there are moments definitely and like i try to pick out a few with you yeah, know I on the more say. melodic side but i mean i love the keith buckley isms when it goes without saying really but like on on um, hostile architecture when he's like how many times can i say i'm sorry i'm sorry i'm sorry i'm sorry i'm sorry and for what uh then he's like and but it, what did i, love- I do wrong <laughs> it's like fucking <laughs> yeah. yes you know it's brilliant it's fucking amazing and 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 keith buckley is one of the best in this game. He's mm. one of the best vocalists in this game, just in terms of like putting his own imprint and his own style and his own character, his own personality into mm. the the vocals and the performance. I mean he's up there with your Jason Butlers and like he's just this fucking amazing man.
0: Incredible. There's a fly in my room oh in yeah. October. What's that? Is that the name of your I am listening poetry reading. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, There's a fly in my room in October. Good. Okay. It's going to be like Beat Poetry. Yeah, sorry, just distracted me for a minute because I'm like one, you have no right to be here. Right. Um no. and two, it's what are you? It's October. What's a fly doing being alive in October? It's weird, isn't it?
1: Yeah. We've turned into the really wild show again
0: we have sorry uh yeah radical by every time i die it's a really good every time i die record yeah. i would put it uh, there have been times like again yeah low teens I, when people go like low teens is the best every time i die album i kind of go hmm yeah mm. i could think I, I could see why you think that mm. um and previously I, I have to say as good as the last two were x lives and from parts unknown if someone had said to me like oh they're the best I would probably have gone, I actually don't think they are. I think they're both brilliant, but I don't think... Th- I mean, X-Lives, actually, I was a bit like, yeah. Because that run, Gut Phenomenon, Big Dirty, New Junk Aesthetic, I think are all fucking amazing. Yeah. And then I did think, when I first ex- heard X-Lives, I was like, eh, yeah, yeah, this is this is still really good. But it's that thing, isn't it? It's, you know, that thing they do. But actually, it was quite a bit heavier.
1: I I mean I have heard a few people say X-Lize is their favourite and I understand it to an extent because I think it is probably the most different Every Time I Die album um, and it's like less chaotic generally than the other ones and stuff like that I think they did try to do something a bit different there and I'm glad that they did um, I think for me I see x as kind of like the self-titled Deftones album I really 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 like it and I'm glad they made it because it's quite experimental but I think that they have better albums in their back catalogue but I feel I, you know, I always like it. You know, it debuted
0: at, really? the, at number 20 on the Billboard 200. I didn't X know lives.
1: that. Fuck me. That's, quite, That's quite impressive, isn't it? Yeah, it's brilliant. Wow.
0: Mm, I didn't know that. Good for them. Anyway, um, Radical, though, is I would, it, it, to me, it's kind of a bit like uh, X-Lives and From Parts Unknown, where I go, they're really, really great. Yeah. And yeah. there are some really great songs in it that undoubtedly in the next few months I will be like, oh, I hope they play that live. definitely. But... In terms of it being, you know, when I talk about my absolute favourite album, still Big Dirty Gut Phenomenon are going to be the two that I go, they're the ones for me. Yeah. Um, But this is, you know, they're very good every time I die. They're very, very, very good. And the album's called Radical. It's out now. Let's move on to the next record we're talking about, Motorheart from the Darkness, the seventh studio album from the band that currently sit atop Uh, as the best band in our broken records experiment looking for the worst album ever made, Darkness are the best bad band, (laughs) Renfri.
1: Aren't they? According to our broken record league table, yes, I have a few issues with that, but you know, fine, whatever. Well, you know, you should have
0: brought them up at the time really, but uh, it's too late to change them. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, No, I jest. The Darkness obviously are the hard rock noughties superstars. um, uh, Almost in this country kind of like solely responsible for the naughty's hard rock revival um this is I a follow-up to UK, 2000 yeah in the uk yeah 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 uh this is a follow-up to 2019's easter is cancelled which i must confess i i i haven't heard i think the darkness are a band who obviously everyone's heard permission to land it's brilliant i still really like one way ticket to hell and back i'm having that as a great record i think mm. it's good Mm. Really good, by the way. Mm. Look at him. Don't like that, does he? Ah, not it's being reminded. Just, it's, just
1: it's just not very. It's not very good. But you know, that's that's fine. It's got good Green moments on very it. Very
0: good. It's got lots of good moments on it. I think it's got more good moments on it than than than, than you. do be right. Okay. Good. Okay. Is that
1: all right? It, yeah. Well,
0: you know, it'll stay in, but you know. <laughs> And then they split up, didn't they? And they split up because everybody... Oh, I thought you meant us then. No. No, yeah. no, no, no. The Darkness split up. No. And then they came back. And they've done a bunch of albums since then. And I remember... They've done five
1: albums since then. Yeah. This is their fifth album since they've been back. Which was a little bit of a surprise for me, I have to admit. Because I thought this was uh, like their third.
0: No, yeah. I mean, they've done a, they've done a, a lot done a lot of records. Hot Cakes was the one that they kind of came back with. And I remember hearing that at the time and going <laughs> 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 I don't, um and I thought to myself I think this is this might be over now because I don't think Hot I think they needed to come back with a massive album. They waited 3 years or so since the 3 years no it couldn't have been that long. They got back together in 2011. 2011 oh yes yeah, so it's only a year you know to be fair to them um yes yeah, so they got back together in 2011 because they played down yeah they played down i didn't know, in 2011 and hot cakes came about and i was like oh oh it doesn't really sound as vibrant as exciting as the darkness have done and i've heard a few songs from i think i heard a song from last of our kind and i thought well, that sounds all right but then I didn't go to the album. Pinewood Smile 2017 didn't hear. Have, have you
1: seen the cover for Pinewood Smile? Smile? That, Let me get it up right now. The cover for the... I mean, it did. I did look at it and I did think, that looks like a broken record. I don't know if it is or not, but the cover is actually terrible. Like Black Sabbath, Born Again, terrible.
0: Uh, yeah, it is, isn't it? not great. It's
1: fucking awful. <laughs> I... I, I, I until we started doing research for reviewing this album i didn't even know that the album even existed i'd never seen that before
0: right everyone wow.
1: listening just look up pinewood smile by the darkness and look at the absolutely yeah, it's basically atrocious cover
0: the band sat in justin hawkins mouth <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah and that if that doesn't intrigue you then i don't know what will but that is it
0: yeah mm. So, anyway, basically, I think what the two of us are saying is uh, the darkness probably dropped off a cliff a little bit in terms of our interest toward them and for them uh, at the start of the last decade. I would say maybe a little bit before for you, Renfri, but that kind of comeback felt cool when they came back and did download, I thought. And then I expected it maybe to be bigger, and now it's just not really a a thing is it that it, people would get that excited about i don't think I, broadly
1: my and i'm half guessing here but my guess is the darkness seem to have settled into a place since their reunion where they are an ott ode to yester yesteryear and those who are still pine for the days where musicians were rock stars and delivered their songs with their tongue in your sister's cheek (laughs) and a cucumber down their pants. I think people who still want that, who mainly sit around listening to Hysteria by Def Leppard are probably the only people who are excited by a new Darkness album, would be my guess. And the reason why I think that is because I think the Darkness tend to do maybe 1,500, 2,000 cap venues in the city in London, and then, you know, a regional tour around the rest of the country. And I think that's the audience size for those people. And just from listening to the record as well, I'm like, that's what this sounds like to me.
0: What I it will... does. And I would never, uh, I don't, uh, you know. Which is perfectly I don't think fine. They, I don't think they ever weren't that, really. I just think that suddenly the world went oh, we like that stuff again. I think they... It's not really The Darkness's fault that no. loads of people went, oh my God, because I think they've always sort of wanted to be that,
1: really. Not at all. I Yeah, I, I think I think they have settled into what they imagined they would be doing in the first place, basically. Um, and that is absolutely fine. And to give The Darkness credit, um, I do get the sense... I mean, I have listened to one or two of the other albums since they've come back. Last kind words I wanna say. Last of Our Kind is one of them, I'm certain. And I'm relatively sure I listened to Easter is Cancelled as well. And my um you know my reception to them has often been this is better than I thought it was going to be but I'm never going to listen to it again. And I'm feeling a little deja vu with heart Like Welcome to Glasgow, the first song on the record kicks things off in a typically flamboyant fashion. And it's an ode to the Scottish city where the women are gorgeous and the food is okay. That's a darkness lyric. That's not my feelings on it.
0: (laughs) Which is quite funny.
1: It's like a quintessentially British version of Paradise City. Basically. And Especially with like you know the bagpipes coming in and like the way that Justin Hawkins was singing in a faux Scottish accent, like rehearsal. So he do that
0: on Hazel Eyes on uh, Yeah, he has. He back, has done I it think before. with so, quite better results. You know, I would say.
1: starting with a comedy song, I was like, oh, "All right, well, you guys aren't taking this seriously either." But I have to admit, I thought the song going underneath those words and those lyrics and that theme was far better than it needed to be for that song, if that makes sense. I thought the riff was fairly complex and quite unexpected and actually quite good. And it felt heavier than I remember The Darkness being. Is that my imagination? or No, I th-
0: I, I think they probably are a fair bit heavier than they previously once were, okay. to, to, to give them their dues. You were um, pulling a
1: few faces, as I described I that, was though. pulling
0: a... F- yes, because... Uh, the, one of the things that I said, and I sort of stand by in um, when we did the broken record on one way ticket to hell and back, and one of the reasons that I liked it is because I was like, "You are playing this poker face, straight faced, right? Mm. The music is so, so, so over the top, mm. so OTT, and you are putting, you know, these flourishes in about being bald or." You know um not being able to get an erection or mm. whatever right um or living in an English country garden and all this kind of stuff which is daft as you know uh, a blue brush um yeah and it's but it but you are doing it in a way which isn't saying by the way this is a joke mm-hmm. it's just happening yep. right yeah yeah this record uh unfortunately and 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 the opening song is one of the ones where I feel it is by making it a bit gruffer musically and making it a fair bit sillier lyrically which I you know I don't know, even know how I quantify you know that is it a 10 out of 10 silly or an 11 out of 10 <laughs> silly that's what you're doing with the darkness really isn't it but they didn't feel like they were poker facing me with the, it felt like a comedy song and the thing about the stuff I said in One Way to Take It to Hell and Back is that it's funny, but it doesn't necessarily feel like they are. They think it's funny. Mm-hmm. And, I, you know, L-Storm and Evil Scarecrow and all that fucking stuff, I was always like, no, 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 the darkness aren't like that. Whereas here I found myself going, actually, the darkness are a bit like that.
1: On that song alone or the entire record?
0: There's a couple of songs, isn't there? Hmm. Let's be honest. There's a couple of songs. I mean, the third song, the title track, actually borrows the or the musical refrain from Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom.
1: <laughs> Which one are you referring to? <laughs> that,
0: da-da-da-da-da, yeah,
1: um, yeah I, that, I mean,
0: yeah, it, it does. That okay. that is, and it, and I don't mean like it sounds a bit like it. I mean, he—that is clearly them going. Ha! Remember Indiana Jones? At yeah. Temple of Doom? yeah, 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 mul-ram, yeah. It's—it's yeah. it's an mul-ram. Easter egg, if you will. Yeah, it's a very fucking bold move, and putting that in amongst a song, which appears to be talking about having sex with a droid, topical, I suppose.
1: <laughs> is it cheating having sex with a robot?
0: That's <laughs> the
1: question, Steve. That's probably something we should discuss at some point.
0: Probably, yeah. <laughs> Fuck copyright, eh? That's nothing. <laughs> you would get Richard Herring reviewing the fucking and so i watch it from afar <laughs> show, would you? But it's five minutes long. It's about having sex with droids and it's got the Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom music in it. And I just thought to myself, you need to do a fair bit of judicious editing um, to really make this song work. It's super camp and o t t and tongue in cheek and you there is there is a world where you could have got away with that, but it's a world where that song isn't five minutes
1: yeah I, yeah, right? yeah I agree and i
0: was like okay you you've gone from being you know you, <laughs> there there is a it's a it's a really hard line to straddle i think yeah it's a really fucking hard line to straddle that the darkness are trying to straddle, and they've done it previously in brilliant ways, and i think there are times on this you know jussie's girl which is a massive nod to jessie's girl by rich rick springfield which is a fucking i think that's a banger
1: okay
0: and justin can occasionally pull out some surprising and chucklesome choruses and really good vocal melodies as i think he'd have i love the sticky situations i love these sticky situations on sticky situations (laughs) It's, got, it's it's just really catchy. There's a line,
1: uh, it, there's a line on Sticky Situations. Let the love making start whilst I'm still in your heart and you're still in my brain.
0: <laughs> Which is just
1: great. Yeah. Sticky yeah. I think Sticky Situations is played really straight, isn't it? It is. It's yeah. like
0: a sort of really super cheesy 70s soft rock AOR yeah. number Saying in the best possible way. And I he think loves actually in
1: Sticky Situations with
0: people. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that's when when it's like fucking Hall and Oats <laughs> That's what I'm down with it. Oh right. I mean, okay. you know, Speed of Night is so the closing song. It really works for me. It is uh, like neon 80s ridiculous AOR like Toto or something. hauling to Toto fucking journey foreign like it's 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 like that. And and it's not too heavy. It reminded me of Billy Idol. I thought you can say Billy Eilish then. <laughs>
1: um which was not a place that I really expected the darkness to go really um it's probably the least darkness-esque song on the record uh mm. but it's probably my favorite as well and
0: make yeah, of that a, what you will but yeah it's a great it's a great song and yeah. I, you know there's the guitar part on nobody can see me cry that kind of like acdc style boogie that they do i think it's cool because it's all a bit like yeah but not too ticking over the top but then you get a song like eastbound and all the silly voices at the end of that and Mm. it's like it's too much lads Mm. even for the even for the darkness Mm. it's it's just a bit too much and i think this is a weird one i think it's a decent enough record but the darkness have you know they're gonna be super camp gonna be super camp and ott and they like to do that and they've always been really good at that but they're doing it now without always being quite as bombastic as they initially were and that I, i i think that kind of the jokes don't really fly unless the music's sort of flying with it and this doesn't have the kind of balls out, the super ludicrous nature of some of their early material and the jokes, which makes the jokes feel like jokes and makes a band who I never really considered a a comedy band often sound like a comedy band. Not all the way through. Mm. Like at its best, they get that you know, that, that balance and act just right. But there's a few too many times where I'm like I don't want to be reminded that you're like that you think you're funny do you know what i mean Mm. i don't need that this is you just trying to be funny as opposed to writing a song which is funny
1: yeah okay um that's that's interesting i mean i i i think in a weird way i think i like this album a little bit more than you do um although my expectations for it were were fairly low i'll be i'll be honest and i think just because i was surprised that even when they went for you know a quote-unquote funny thing and sometimes it is funny and sometimes you know I, yeah the voices at the end of eastbound are just completely unnecessary and don't really add anything at all um but i was surprised at how often i went along with it i suppose in the same way that i was surprised at how often i went along with the andrew wk album from a few weeks back i don't think this is as good as andrew wk but I quite quite some way and i do think they're quite different things uh,
0: yeah yeah well the Andy WK album is is what i was saying about the bombast yeah i mean that is an in stupefyingly and an in stupefyingly it's not a word well maybe it's that ridiculous that album that maybe in stupefying lead <laughs> is now a word to yeah. describe it yeah. um but i do i think it's a it's a manic like bombastic wild record and I love I you know I love the darkness when they're being really really big and wild but then the, the times when they do that with like the the, the kind of whole scottish thing at the start it's a weird way not, to start the record it's a very odd way to start the record yeah. and I just don't really feel like it quite they don't quite hit the bull's eye on that in fact I'm mm. not even sure they get on the dartboard to oh, be honest wow. Oh, okay. I don't. Yeah, I didn't like it at all, really. Which is odd because I like the darkness being funny. You know, I like it when the darkness do make. They do actually make me laugh, but they make me laugh when they're. They when. I like. I was gonna say I like. I don't want to laugh with them. I want to laugh at them. Mm. But then I think they want me to. <laughs> yeah i i can't i don't really know if i'm explaining this properly or how to explain it properly but there's something about the darkness being super po-faced and going no 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 we're not a comedy band Mm. but yet also being very very funny yeah and you know deep down they they are they they are aware of how funny they are yeah or like how funny they're being and how silly it all is but i don't like and i feel like the mask slips a little bit on this record it's not a bad record i think it's actually got some i think half of it is really good yeah i'd agree i mean you know um it's Love Jim, I think is really good. That's the second song. I think it's really good. Like there's some great, you know, some really good rock songs in there, but there are also some, you know, sort of fairly tepid uh slightly awkward sounding stuff that it yeah. just feels like somebody like the kind of office, you know, the office um joker
1: yeah yeah the quality is surprisingly all over the place considering we're talking about a nine track album 35 minutes you know Mm -hmm. one thing i'll say about the darkness is they do know how to get in and get out i think that i think their longest album's like 42 minutes and to that i say well done lads because a lot of the stuff that they're aping uh would you know a lot of those hour and a half yeah yeah, a lot of those bands would have not been doing that so that is you know something to and the fact that this album is only 35 minutes yeah i don't get bored of this album but i definitely like my enjoyment of it is all over the place it's a massive roller coaster um with this record it would i I, I, even when i don't think it's good i'm not bored by it but Mm but it does go very up and down for my money and it sounds like it does Uh, for you as well yeah yeah it really does yeah Yeah, it
0: does but it's pretty good it's pretty good if you go and see him live they'll play Permission to Land in full. yeah and a couple of hopefully the good songs off this one so there you go Motorheart by The Darkness is out now let's move on to our next record this actually came out last week Um, it comes from Bad Bad Not Good Talk Memory is the name of the album it's the fifth solo studio album from the Canadian Instrumental Trio the follow up to 2016's fourth album four obviously that's why they would do that um i was aware of bad bad not good from various projects that they had done with some fairly notable hip-hop artists such as ghostface killer on 2015's sour soul which i heard at a house party remfrey you at a house party in 2015 Wow
1: yeah. Wow You've really remembered that Was it a particularly good house party Was it a bad house no, party No
0: no 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 I just remember getting um I just remember somebody put a record on When I was at this this party And I was like What's this And they're like Oh it's bad bad not good And Ghostface Killer And I was like Oh Okay Cool And I listened And I was like Oh they're good And then Um uh, they've also worked with, but I heard it and I was like, "This is good," and I went back and listened to it properly. And I was like, "It is good," and then I, but I didn't really investigate them anymore, which I have a tendency to do. I think some people do. You hear something, you go, "I like that," and then you just like an album. Um, but they've also worked with people like Danny Brown, Freddie Gibbs, Kendrick Lamar, and Thundercat, to um, to name just a few people that they've they've worked with previously. So I may be quite wrongly assume that this was going to be something fairly different to actually what we've got here because there isn't a lot in the way of traditional hip-hop tropes if you like uh on this album at all it is much more really uh, some kind of modern electro jazz sounding record would that be fair to say well i went into
1: this album completely with, with absolutely no knowledge of them at all i was surprised to learn that they had six albums and hip-hop hasn't come across come up once in my notes i find it more of a kind of well it's more yeah jazz funk kind of post bop i'm gonna say uh which i think i've invented um uh, yeah it it had cinematic orchestra vibes to me which uh and the cinematic orchestra do sometimes um go into kind of hip-hop sort of flavors but It wasn't something that I... I mean, there are no vocals on this record. This is entirely instrumental. Um, I could see people using this as a base for hip-hop stuff, but I don't think that this album is hip-hop.
0: No, no, no. No, definitely not. It's not even instrumental hip-hop in the way of like DJ Shadow or something either, no. No. Um, Like I say, I feel this is a kind of um, modern electro-sounding jazz record, and when those two elements are combined in a perfect way like i would say they definitely are on uh on the song unfolding which is really good Mm. i think it's really really good i mean that is basically a sort of um mad horns and cool as fuck breakbeats sort of loops and jazz drums married together in a really really interesting way um you'll notice i didn't start by going Uh, you know the first song Signal From The Noise which is nine minutes long the balls to them to open their album with comfortably the longest song on the record Mm. nine minutes and two seconds and for that song to be I would say the most comfortably the most challenging thing on the record as well Mm. in terms of a journey that you go on obviously it's nine minutes so they've got a lot of time to play with but I think there is so much going on on that song brass strings woodwind fuzzy guitar ambient parts really fucking awesome way to open the record and if i'm honest i never i don't think they ever quite get back to that I place really? again on the record i because th- that is an i think that's a really really brilliant opener of the song
1: i thought it was a beautiful way to start the record and really brave and strange as well lots of ethereal kind of trebly synths i always say well, say bell like since but i'm trying to get away from saying bell like since um and cut and paste sacks uh that are constantly building and interlacing and there's all these interlaying laking layers um first couple of times i listened to it i had no idea it was nine minutes long i thought it was about five so there you go. It's a good sign. Yeah, very good sign. Um, I, I I really like that song a lot. I don't know if it's my absolute favourite on the record, but I, I really, really like it. Um, I think City of Mirrors sounds like it's bad, bad, not good's audition demo for the new Bond theme. Yes, sweeping strings and kind of broken,
0: and deconstructed piano parts and stuff. I really uh, like that a lot. Yeah, yeah that
1: is good. Yeah. I'd give them the job. I'd give them the job for the new Bond theme definitely.
0: Yeah, it is good. Um I think there's there's some stuff on this that I really love. Like love I think when when they're at, like when they hit the sweet spot for me is that kind of um the strings, the Avalanche's style. I mean Love Proceeding I think is really good. That's the style I like from it. Strings meets beats is always going to be like kind of marrying those two things together to me is always gonna be a super um I was gonna say exciting. Not even necessarily exciting. I just think it's a formula that's been done a lot and it, it it just sounds great. Those two things juxtapose each other so well that they always sound great next to each other. Very right? prevalent why, on the
1: Bristol trip hop scene, Porter's heads yeah, and your massive attacks and stuff like that.
0: That that's why that you know, that stuff became you know, used so much because I think they, it just really, really sounds good. I mean, all those port is a fucking, you know, maybe like the kind of gold star example of, of, of how to do that. But like, I always think it sounds really good. Um, and then, but then you get stuff where like, there's a song called beside April. And I think you go, well, that sounds good. You put it in the background. The groove's really cool. I love the end goes mental at the end. There's a real sort of fuzzy guitar part. Um, and the groove's good and you're like yeah this is great you put it on in the background and it's a nice thing to have on in the background but it never made me go oh damn i have to i have to come back to that mm. i have to come back to that in fact actually there's a reprise of that song later on in the record and i actually think which is more kind of piano led and i actually prefer that oh interesting initial song
1: i actually really liked beside april but i think i mainly like it because it really reminds me of the mars Volta. So and I really like the Mars Volta um, but uh, I see what you're saying.
0: It never gets to the same level of like holy fuck as the Mars Volta though, does it? No,
1: no I don't think so. It's like, it
0: is like the Mars Volta kind of waking up at five in the morning
1: <laughs> well yeah. Like pre-coffee
0: Mars Volta. Yeah maybe or, but or LSD whatever uh, <laughs> yeah.
1: um, but I, I just think the combination of the hammered organ and some crazy samba-esque rhythms, I don't know if they're strictly samba but they sound a bit like that. Esque guitar line i was just like this reminds me of one of my favorite bands so i i liked it but i I think yeah i mean compositionally and stuff it probably isn't one of the both one of the best songs on the record or one of the most interesting um but i did i actually noted that song down as one that i found a highlight but yeah i understand what you're saying
0: um do you like talk meaning the last song i love
1: the last song i think it's i was gonna I, I thought it that
0: went. fucking kills it actually that is a great i think the, the book ends of this record are fucking brilliant yes because it feels like that's the most shit going on at once and that doesn't necessarily make it the best song but in this instance i think the more elements you add to it they're very good at um at kind of uh again yeah like making all of those elements congeal into an interesting whole and i think the more stuff they put in the more interesting the music is and the better the music is and i think that kind of bookend of this record is for me the 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 two highlights
1: i think the bookended songs are probably the ones which sound the most difficult to replicate um and therefore by proxy are kind of the most interesting as a result of that um which is just adding to that point, really. But, yes, um, you know, beside April, whilst I do like it, you can go, well, it's a little sprinkle of Mars Volta, but, yeah, a little bit more chilled out. Like, that seems like a easier place to start from to create something, whereas, you know, those two bookend songs really do feel very, very different to anything else. Um, mm. So, yeah.
0: I'm not a massive jazz fan as we've discussed over the years. Not that I don't like it. It's just not a type of music that I have a huge base of knowledge on. Um, But I do feel like I'm starting to go, well, I like the more modern sounding elements that are combined with, I guess, the sound of classic jazz. And I think the kind of... um, Modern hip-hop, a lot of modern hip-hop that we've spoken about or talked about or that I am into, it does really dig in and borrow from that style a fair bit and, and I like that and I think maybe there's there's not quite as much to grasp onto here as there is say what the like the last record that we did that would be kind of vaguely comparable to this would be the Sons of Kemet record I'm guess yeah. uh, I would say yeah. and I don't think there's anything as like as it, there's nothing to grab onto with this as tightly as I would grab onto something from that Sons of Kemet record I I think there's so much on that Sons of Kemet record which is just like this is amazing yeah Yeah. and very very unique as well and I wouldn't say that Babab not good uh, uh, no no it's not I mean is it unique I think it's unique it's interesting but it's not necessarily unique in the same way as I think the Sons of Kemet record had again to go back to personality and music and Uh, to go back to a strong sense of identity, there is a very, very strong sense of identity on that Sons of Kemet record, which I think is not quite as prevalent on this record. Although I do rather like this record when it's good.
1: I, I mean, I don't think that's an unfair thing to say. I would struggle to tell this apart from a lot of other instrumentally jazzy type things. I think if this came on in a cafe or something like that, I'd be like, oh, this sounds a bit like the cinematic orchestra rather than me being like, oh, this is bad, bad, not good. You know. And and Sons of Kemet suffers from that less, definitely. Sons of Kemet definitely has an identity to it. I'm not sure if this does strictly. But it is very good. And I've heard a lot less of this kind of stuff, so I'm nowhere near as fed up with it. I mean I kind of yeah. I kind of feel <laughs> yeah. like I kind of feel like I'm gonna sort of retire into this kind of music. I can see myself I can see myself being like the Michael Kane character in Children of Men, just smoking dope and listening to jazz all day into my seventies mm. if I get there. I'll probably have a heart attack before then. But yeah.
0: If you keep drinking that fucking shit you've been drinking, you will, yeah. Yeah, probably will. It's all made of E-numbers and whatever the other things are. Heroin. E-numbers and heroin. Yeah, mm. that is. That is and Thor's sperm. Yep. Oh, that's nice. Mm. No, no, cut no. that out. Okay. Don't cut that out. All right. um, anyway, <laughs> Talk Memory by Bad Bad Not Good is out now. I, I I do, I like it.
1: Yeah, I like it a lot.
0: As a record, I like it you might like again i think you might you might like everything more than me this week
1: oh wow okay well there you go because i do like
0: this like don't get me wrong right? i like it i think it's good and i probably will occasionally come back to it but not enough to make me go i will definitely come back to it do you know what i mean like i don't think i'll go back to very much at all on the darkness record i will go back to stuff on every time i die record for sure maybe that's the only one where me and you are sort of on the same hmm. page i reckon yeah um well, we've got one more album left, actually, so I shouldn't jump the gun too much. Uh, but anyway, Talk Memory by Bad Bad Not Good is out now. Let's move on to our last record, Slow Crush, Hush, the second full-length album from the Belgian Metallic Shoegaze Band. That's what I want to say. I mean, I wonder, are they
1: not just a shoegaze band?
0: They probably are, really, but they come from the metal scene, don't they? they yeah. They used to be in doom bands and hardcore bands and stuff. So, and anyways, the this, they're is on this Church Road. They're on Church Road. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, it's a f- follow-up to 2018's Real album, uh, which did we re- we don't think we did review that, did we? Did we review
1: that Real? I don't, think. I don't remember so, that one. I thought the last album was called Aurora, or am I? Aurora. Going
0: maybe 20? I've maybe maybe I've written the wrong. Okay. Thing then. <laughs> 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 um,
1: I, I, to be totally honest with you, I can't remember if we reviewed it or not. Um, I believe I've talked about them live. Uh, from a portals festival or something like that Um, and I have to be honest I do tend to enjoy slow crush more on records than I do live um, although I've not seen them live for quite a long time so I don't want to like have that on my tombstone
0: I don't think anyone would put that (laughs) on your tombstone you Um, never know why why? Why would that be the case? Would you say, Humphrey?
1: They haven't um, found a way to engage me live yet, and sometimes I can just really get into it through the music. But for whatever reason with Slow Crush, it just hasn't hasn't quite gelled. And it's sort of weird because I think if you speak to some people regarding Slow Crush, they'll be like, "Oh, aren't they like one of the best of their genre at the moment?" And I think they are very good. But I think if we're putting you know bands into tiers and stuff like this that we have done before, I think they are kind of a very good new band in like the second tier, if that makes sense. I think there are there's a lot of this stuff around at the moment. We cover a lot well, of this stuff. We do, and we've
0: we've mentioned Death Heaven's new album recently, which is of an exceptionally high standard, yeah. an exceptionally high standard. I actually listened to that record a couple of days ago, just to get just just to make sure that i was i mean i listened to it just because i wanted to listen to it but also i was like that is really good right that is really good i and think a lot of is.
1: people i think i think there would be a lot of slow crush fans and i don't think this is slow crush's fault at all but i think there are there would be a lot of slow crush fans who would consider that a very poser comment what you just said about the death heaven record even though it is absolutely 100 percent correct and accurate <laughs> but i do think yeah. that's the case
0: I don't think people like that should be listened to. <laughs> no, That's neither all. do I. I'm just, I'm just <laughs> saying. <laughs> I do. Yeah, no, no. I know I, you I, agree with me. I think
1: Slow Crush have been embraced by um, a lot of people who think they know what shoegaze is and maybe don't necessarily. I'm not suggesting this isn't shoegaze. I think this is really, really good. But to sort of suggest that this is mm. shoegaze and then the new Deaf Heaven album isn't or whatever, it just feels insane to me.
0: Well, here's the thing about this, because we do like this stuff. We're always very nice about this sort of stuff in general, broadly, aren't we, really? This is a funny one for me, because I feel like this does manage to be a fairly dynamic record, despite spending most of its time stuck in one particular sonic area. So I think this does actually stay in the same gear throughout almost the entirety of the record. But because of how broad the dynamics are utilised on Songs are, I still feel like it, it, it keeps me interested throughout its runtime. Um, totally. Although, I would say the first half of it, where they're a bit quicker out the blocks. Opening song Drown is quite slow, builds to a really warm crescendo. Not that harsh, but then you get a big shimmer and riff coming on Blue, which I really, really liked, and that's a bit more, um, I guess, sort of uh, instantaneous. Swoon is the shortest song on the record and for me perfect personally manages to be the one that sort of hits the bullseye with every element that they are doing in one it's quite heavy the pace is really good it's really icy and they get out and they get it done Um, when you get to Swivel which is the first time they kind of tick over into you know rather than being I think the the longest song at that point from the first four is like four minutes long and then everything after that by the last song is between five minutes and six and a half minutes yeah and it's definitely a regular you know, two I,
1: parts and in, in two halves it in is that sense.
0: yeah yeah and i think like, swivel is is a great song really great very slow and dreamy and somber but again quite abrasive as well and it does build over that five minute run time and there is stuff that i really like on the second half um, there's a song called uh, "Reve." Is that how you say it? Which is the next song, I think so. which has got like really the drums on it are really. And I uh, the drums feel like the lead instrument on that record. I really liked the, the kind of the rhythmic pattern of it. I thought it was really excellent, and it's very very powerful amongst some quite pretty everything else. And Lull does that kind of Deftones esque. Velvet Crush and brings it to the fore. But I do think personally that the second half of the record, where it gets a little bit longer, it does have a little bit of a, moment of a momentum problem. I think they do a really good job of distilling these ideas down in some of the short songs earlier on. And it's no surprise to me that they've sort of chosen to release a lot of the songs from that I'm talking about. And I think they do work a bit better, those short songs, just a little bit. Because the record does tend to stay in a very, very similar pace throughout its entire runtime. And I again, a bit like every time I die, I don't know what I'd take out or if there is anything that I would take out per se. Yeah, But I do think, again, maybe just a little bit of judicious editing um, might have benefited it. Hmm. it's only a minor criticism hmm. but it is a slight criticism because I think broadly I do really like this record because being in this place being in this kind of sonic area just feels nice doesn't it
1: absolutely yeah and I think that's why I whilst I accept a lot of what you're saying and agree with it up to a point I feel more okay with being in the second part of this record because whilst it is more sl- more languid and slower um, I just like being in that place, so I'm perfectly okay with that. I don't feel like, it feels like to me that you're saying that you think this record slightly outstays, it's welcome. And I'm f- pretty happy to be in this record for the 45 minutes, 43 seconds that it's on. I'm kind of okay with that. I sort of saw this record as a, this is going to be an odd comparison, but stick with it for a second. It reminded me a little bit of Ritual de by Jane's Addiction, in the way that uh, <laughs> your facial response to that was um, absolutely golden. Um, Thank you. In the sense that you you know how Richard DeLavitchell has its first five songs are kind of like the singles, and then you have yeah. the more expansive latter part. Now, obviously, this doesn't do that to the same degree, um, and it doesn't quite do it in the same place either, but it reminded me of that, and as such i treated the record like that like it was you know let's get the bangers out of the way to not even get them out of the way but let's begin with a uh, bangers is a weird word in this sense but mm. you know the, the the more straight ahead easier songs and then let's go into the more languid. because for me rev hush Thru- lull and thrill almost all feel like part of the same composition they're almost like all part of the same song, in the way that I kind of see Three Days, uh, if she if she did, and um, whatever the other one, the Clavica one. I kind of see them all as part of the
0: same thing, part of the same entity. Um, and I mean, there's there's a, just a kind of that is a fine comparison, and you obviously that's what you think. Uh, the dynamic breadth. Of Richard de la habitual oh, is, it's much more vast. It is, is way more vast. Oh than this. yeah. Oh god. Yeah. Like by so, I mean it's you know it's a lot. It only it? it only reminds me of Richard la habitual structurally. Uh,
1: it's not yeah. even in the content of the record. It's purely a structure thing, but I quite like that. I think that is a the the Richard la habitual structure is a really unusual structure for a record. Uh, and i like that i think that's kind of cool mm. um does it work I think, like, as well on on hush as it does on richard hello of course it doesn't uh but it, but it's still a cool thing to adopt and i i i was into it i thought it was a cool thing to do
0: just to go back to you saying you know it sounds like you think this album outstays it's welcome i don't think it outstays it's welcome okay but i think that it suffers from i mean yeah, what you're saying about Ritual de la, de la, ritual de la Habitual mm-hmm. is fine because ritual the Gazette Records, it comes in hard. Yes. And then it gets so smoky and, yeah. you know, ambient and stuff. And But this doesn't really do that. No, Drown like, is, it is kind a kind of mm. It kind of exists in a fairly similar, like I say, it's like the Sonics that they have are broad. Yeah but they are very, very similar from beginning to end. Yeah. The pacing, like just because a song is three minutes and a song is six minutes, they can still be the same pace. I yes. reckon if you put the BPM on most of these songs...
1: They'd be they'd very be, similar. Yeah, they'd
0: be very, very similar. Yeah. Whereas, you know, like Three Days and Being Caught Stealing... Totally different. Oh, It yeah. wouldn't be. Um, and, and so I don't think that this necessarily, it outstays its welcome. But what I think, what I do think is I think they've, They've they've missed a the trick a little bit by not mixing it up a bit more. I think they've missed a the trick by maybe I'm not I don't think the album that stays is welcome. I think occasionally the songs feel like they've reached a natural conclusion and don't end.
1: Mm-hmm. hmm
0: And I think that they would you know, like I say, this is a good record. This is a really good record. It's not a great record, it's not a fan it's not an amazing record. Yeah, I'd agree. And it's not an amazing record, uh, th- whereas Death Heaven, you know, you think that is an amazing record yeah. because the breadth and the, you know, the place, it, it takes you to a lot of other places. Yes. And if you're, you know, and if that's the bar, I'd say this sort of does fall slightly short of the bar, but they're good songwriters. They sound great. Like I say, the drum parts, the, the, the delicate nature of, certain parts of the the band and the more abrasive nature of other parts of the band make for just a really great thing to listen to you know just a really nice place to be and so i'm all right with all of that really i'm just saying i don't think when we come to go like what have been the best shoegazy albums of the year this might make the top 10 but it might not make the top five
1: I think that's completely fair. Um, but I think it's there's been some fantastic shoegazy type records this year. I mean, that Landloss Loss yeah. record. Um, you know, Sugar Horse. Sugar Horse, yeah, you know, there's been so much of that that has been brilliant. And Slow Crush are riding this wave to an extent. Um and I think they're really, really, really good. I like them a lot. And I do think Hush is the best thing that they've released. They've got the Uh, I think Ease was the EP, and then Aurora is the last record. I think this is my favourite Slow Crash release, and it is um, a step up. It's a relatively minor step up, if I'm totally honest. And in order to be considered like one of the best of the best right now, they need to do a far bigger step up. Step up. But I do really like this album, and I do really like being, you know, listening to it and feeling it engulf me. It is my favourite record of this week um, out of the four that we have done. But it's also the one that is most geared towards me and my taste, especially at the moment. Um, So it kind of has a massive head start um, and still comes in at just about my favourite album of the week. Um, This is really, really, really good. There are better examples of it out there, but songs like Drown... And I think you're right. I think Swoon really does um, uh, sum it up really, really quickly. Are just brilliant, brilliant songs and worth listening to. I think sometimes maybe they concentrate too much on how good it sounds rather than how good the song is. And maybe that's something that they could improve on if they could maybe like find a way to play it dry um, and the song still sounds good. I think sometimes these songs sound good because of the effects that they've put on them rather than them being great songs. But they still sound good.
0: Yeah, it's a good record. I think overall, good record. Yeah. That's what I'm going to say. they're good. Uh, Slow Crush Hush is out now. And that's the end of the show. Thanks very much for listening. We appreciate that. Uh, We'll be back next week. Hope you have a lovely time over the next week or so. I'm going to get this fucking fly out of my house. He's getting on my tits, Renfrey, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> okay. It's getting right on my tits. So thanks for listening, everyone. I'm going to go and kill a, a, an innocent animal. Awesome. You saw that out. I will, yeah. I'm going to sacrifice him to Satan <laughs> or, some, or something. Anyway, bye.